We've got a few uh, first-time guests. Uh, welcome, and uh, really, we value your connection card. Um, that helps us to be able to, to meet you and to greet you properly. And uh, welcome to the seventh week and the conclusion of a series on money and giving and wealth. And we're going to wrap up today. And I want to encourage you, if you've missed any of the services uh, in this series, uh, you really need to get online and listen to it all, or maybe re-listen to it, uh, and let it just continue to work in your life. And uh, we, uh, we know that transformation has been happening and is happening uh, as we highlight God's Word um, last week, I was able to share some testimony and, uh, and just asking God to use uh, my life, my family's life, and uh, uh, you know, so we shared some bits and pieces of our giving journey. Uh, we were encouraged to do that by the Spirit, um, but I wanted to just give a quick moment uh, to let anyone, and no one, we haven't prepped this, we haven't, uh, and maybe no one will respond, and I'm totally okay with that, but I want to give you opportunity, just on the spot, maybe you felt along in this journey, like, man, if I could share something, or if, there, if I could share a testimony, uh, or maybe, you know, God moved in this way uh, in the last, you know, six to eight weeks, or whatever it's been, um, uh, if we we, we just want to give opportunity for that to share testimony in regards to money, about giving, or about wealth. And, uh, just, and if nobody responds, I'm totally okay with that because uh, we didn't really plan on this. I, I felt in, kind of in prayer this morning that there may be someone, maybe second service, maybe first, I don't know. But if anybody interested in just uh, giving a quick praise report to the Lord um, in regards to money, giving, or our wealth, anybody at all, and if not, Jim, you, all right, come, I'll come and meet you, all right, all right, this is Jim, he's newer to the church, and I don't know where Alice is today, but, okay, all right, all right, well, thanks, well, take a second. I'm not very good at this, and I'm not saying this in bragging, but the Lord says, we had a, we had a fifth wheel, we sold it, and we're going to put it off the side for a different car, and the Lord says, give $5,000. Now that's quite a bit because I live on Social Security. I don't have a pension or anything. But we've done that. And my wife, she about choked when I told her. And she said, she says, well, she said, if you really feel that way, that's what we got to do. And, and this is just one thing. There, and, and I just feel so strong. And I, and, I, and I prayed for the Lord a few years ago. Lord, I don't want doctrine that is false. I don't want a denomination. I want what you have, and and he's been giving that to me, and, and I'll tell you, I'm finding here in this church, you don't realize what you have, because we've been hunting for a couple of years, and you can feel the Holy Spirit here, and I just thank you. God's blessed you uh, in that regard, and I know anything we give, God will bring it back to us, and I know he does. I heard a sermon this week, and... They said that if you don't give willingly, you're going to spend it one way or another, and God's going to take it one way or another from you because you are stealing from him if you don't tithe because the Bible tells us to do that. Anyone else want to share real quickly, maybe one or two? All right, Randy. Well, I grew up kind of the same way, knowing all about tithing and have my whole life up until couple years ago 
and I won't go into that, but a couple years ago, different things were happening and we just kind of let that go. Um, during that couple year period, we had been making more money than we ever had, but been going the opposite of what you would have thought. Jessica and I decided, okay, we need to, you know, get back. We knew that, but anyways, we didn't do it for a couple of years. So we did that, started that back up. Since then, um, at my work, I was given another week of vacation, paid vacation, right after that happened. There was another thing, I can't think of that right now. But then Jessica got a $3 an hour raise at her work. And then through my work, we also just got a, uh, a vacation, seven night vacation that they're paying for. So, awesome. in Hawaii. In Hawaii, come on. And if you need anyone to accompany, I'm available. I'm available. All right. I saw a hand up. Yeah, okay. All right. When we were in Wisconsin trying to decide if we should move over here or not, um, my father had passed away, and I received some money, and I gave 10% plus to the church that we were going to. And we were praying about the decision to come here, and we didn't have a lot of money at the time, and we thought, Lord, show us somehow. And we sold some things, and it was exactly what we needed to move over here. That's awesome. So God provided. Awesome. Good. All right, one more, Eva. Good. I thank the Lord for Dave Ramsey. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> conviction. Conviction is a good thing, not condemnation. But I got 7,000 debt paid off because of that conviction. And to God be the glory. Is it done? Oh, praise the Lord. We've been walking with Eva for a couple of years. And it's debt free. Yeah, well, that part I am. That part, okay. We're going to get the other little side. Yeah, good. Amen. <laughs> Yep. Awesome. Right. That's right. Amen. Amen. And we just take a second there just to uh, give the Lord uh, glory because it's the power of our testimony that really makes a difference. I want to encourage you to share your giving story, uh, how God has challenged you um, when God leads you to do so. And I pray that it will be a blessing to others and just will um, you know, fan the flame in people's lives. Um, we've had great response through this series. And uh, I want to say thank you for sticking it out with us and still keep on coming back. And uh, where we've learned how to handle money and why we need to handle our money well. And we've looked at a lot of key principles and the results that uh, come because of that. And uh, I was studying this week, and I told Pastor Bobby, I said, man, I, I, there's so much I could say in a final message. I feel like we could just keep going and going. It's really close to my heart, but we're not, okay? We're, we're going to be done after today. Way back at the beginning, I shared that if I felt in, inside myself that if, we, if I wasn't going to teach on this, that I would be doing a disfavor to you and to 
into the kingdom of God. And I really feel like um, as we have been able to work through uh, learning about tithing and first fruits and the passing the test that the Lord gives us every time we get an increase, and as we've uh, talked about breaking the spirit of mammon, and we've talked about generosity, and we've talked about seeing God multiply, um, all of these things are life principles that affect every area of our lives. It affects your marriages, um, our, the way we raise our kids. It affects our work environments, our spiritual health, and even our physical health. And you say, is there really a connection between money and our physical health? I really believe uh, many times there is. And um, this week I had a chance to send a note home, and, uh, and then you may have received, uh, in addition to that, uh, a giving record, a giving where you can track your giving for through half of the year. And that's just a time for you to celebrate or a time for you to say, okay, we're going to start making some changes. And I encourage in that letter um, to start uh, or to continue really to, to give in a God-honoring way, systematically, proportionately, and sacrificially. And I want to take you to a scripture where I see that in scripture. And if you remember back when we were studying 1 Corinthians chapter 16, the, ver the first two verses in that chapter talk about uh, these things. And I want to read it real quick. It says, now about the collection, about the offering for God's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. And what's interesting there, and I'm not going to preach about 1 Corinthians, but if you remember, uh, you know, Paul is encouraging the Corinthians, but he's, he had encouraged others along the way. And I believe if Paul was here today, he would be encouraging us in the same way. It says, on the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money, keeping with his own income, saving it up, so that when, he, uh, when I come, no collections will be need to be made. And uh, so there's a couple things there that it's systematic on the first day of the week or some of you are paid once a month with Social Security on the first of the month or, uh, or every time there's an increase, systematically, you want to honor God. Then proportionally, with the measure of the increase that you receive, we're to give it back. And then in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, that was an assignment at the very beginning of this whole message series um, that, to read, and we're not going to take time to look at it, but it talks about giving above and beyond, excelling in the grace of giving, and generosity is seen there in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. And if you haven't read those, let it be an assignment for this week and uh, get your mind around those two chapters in particular, and I believe that it'll be uh, a blessing to you. So we've highlighted God's word along the way, and there's been two key consistent uh, themes uh, every single week that we've highlighted. I want to hit these one more time when we've talked about money and giving and wealth. The first was this, that it is all about the heart. Will you say that with me? It is all about the heart. And I was thinking about it. Instead of naming this you know, series on money, giving, and wealth, we could have named it a series about the heart. Because it is. It's not about money. It's not about, uh, and we've talked about this, it's not about you know, uh, creating reserves or, or uh, you know, financial blessing. It's all about our hearts towards God. The second thing is that when we talk about this, the money issue, it's all God. Say that with me. It is all God's. And it's easy to say that. 
It's easy to communicate that one to another. And if I ask how many of you agree with that, I'm sure you know, most of you would probably raise your hand. It's hard to live that out, to understand that it's all God's. And then last time, just two weeks ago, we talked that it's time to multiply. It's time to multiply. And when we talk about multiplication, and this series is on money, so when we talk about multiplying our finances, we said that it has to be blessed first before it multiplies. And the way we get our money or our increase blessed is we honor God first with our tithes. Because when we tithe, when we give back to the Lord that first portion, uh, it's like what Jim said, the devil, the enemy, is rebuked. It rebukes the devourer. And I'll tell you, if you have not practiced that, I want to encourage you to establish that pattern in your life. The other encouragement along with that that has to be blessed is you need to get your finances in order. Get your house in order. Get, get things in order. And I can't speak enough about uh, the Dave Ramsey class um, that's going to start in September. And for some of you, this fall is going to be a life changer as you connect for nine weeks. And you're going to sit through these classes and you're going to get your finances in order better than ever before and by Christmas time by Thanksgiving time will be wrapped up and this Thanksgiving this Christmas is going to be different in your life and if you've been through it before you, there's no cost to go through it again uh, but we want to encourage you to do that and you say well why do we need to do that it's because once your finances are in order then you can move to the second thing in regards to multiplying where, we need, where we've learned that it has to be given away before it's multiplied. So once your finances are in order and things are good, the, uh, the increase, you give away only what is shared with others can be multiplied. And the reason is because we're sowing into God's economy and God is a master of multiplication. You can read through Scripture with that mindset, looking through Scripture, and time after time after time, you see that God is a God, a master of multiplication. Church, I believe, and I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, that it's time to multiply, that this, this is a season for us to grow. And I want to encourage us in that last, uh, out of the three things, money, giving, and then wealth, I want to focus on that third, uh, third focus, and I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Proverbs 13, and we're going to start there. And to honor God's word, we're going to uh, read it and uh, want to kind of bring some insight from the, these scriptures. But Proverbs 13, 22 really speaks to that last piece, the wealth building potential that every single person here has. Now let's look what it says. Proverbs 13, verse 22. A good man or a good woman, all right, it's either way, leaves an inheritance for his children's children's. Now, when you think of inheritance, what you leave behind, certainly spiritually, we can leave an inheritance, relationally, certainly, but how many know financially there's an inheritance that we have the potential of leaving behind as well? And I believe in this context, it's primarily speaking about 
uh, finances. What's interesting about the first part of that verse is that it's talking about two generations. Not only leaving enough for your kids, but also for your grandkids. And I was thinking about it. How much would you need in order to fulfill this verse? Think about it. In your own situation, everybody's going to be a little different. But then I was thinking, well, if, um, if you had a million dollars, would that be enough? And for most of us, we probably answer, sure, that would be, that'd get us well on our way. Well, it's interesting, uh, this week on Dave Ramsey's call-in show, uh, he had a millionaire day, and I don't know if anybody caught it, where he asked for people that have a net worth of a million dollars or more to call in and, uh, and to share their stories. And the power of testimony was really a great, great show. Um, but it brought me back to his recent book, The Legacy Journal or Journey, which is a biblical view. It's a Christian book. It's the first Christian book Dave Ramsey has written. But in it, he talks about if you live in America, he says that you can retire a millionaire. Now, he says that's a bold statement, I know. And if you've never read any of his books or taken Financial Peace University class, then you might be shocked at that statement. But let me tell you, he says, why it sounds so surprising. It's because we get hit nonstop with all kinds of messages from our culture that tells us that we cannot do it, that we can't make it. We've all heard, I just can't find a job, or uh, the little man can't get ahead, or the system is rigged. Um, and then he says, I even have a relative who just walks around yelling, the corporations, the corporations. And he says, I have no idea what that means. But in his mind, the corporations are the reason why we can't win with money. And he says, personally, he thinks most of those excuses are garbage. And I'd probably tend to agree. And I was thinking about it, whoever that relative is, just got thrown under the bus. I mean, I mean, they know who it is, but anyway. But then he goes on and he says something that I want to get your mind around. He says, I know that it can be hard finding a job. I know that the economy has ups and downs. Uh, but I get that, he says. He says, I, I didn't say it was easy to become a millionaire. I just said that anyone can do it. And some of you are thinking, eh, that's probably not me. But listen, as he goes on. He says, I've learned God's way of handling money and used it throughout, if you did that throughout your entire life, if you stayed out of debt, if you saved for emergencies, and if you planned and invest for the future, and if you did it consistently over time, where would you end up? You would be wealthy. And that's what we're talking about is wealth building. Did you know that practically any 25-year-old person could end up with more than a million dollars by retirement without even breaking a sweat? Say, how would that happen? You, all, you do the math. He says, if you invest $100 a month on a decent growth stock mutual fund from the age 25 to age 65, so over 40 years, and uh, Tony, we've ran numbers like this before in your office, you could have a million dollars. And that's just with $100 a month. And if a million dollars is what you had at retirement, you could live just on the interest is what he's saying. And then this is where it comes in to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. Because we're to give an inheritance not only for our kids, but also our grandkids. And he goes on, he says, let's not stop there. Let's say that you did that. More importantly, you taught your kids to live that way. And if you're two kids, imagine them retiring at 65 with a million dollars each of their own, plus 20 years of growth on the $1 million that you gave, 
uh, would be 12 million combined. That, you take that same down one more generation to your grandkids. Listen, this is the multiplying nature of money. What could your family do for the kingdom? He says you would financially, you would be in the somewhere in the range between 100 and 200 million dollars within three generations. That's pretty, that's pretty wild. What could you do? What if you gave them not just money, but also shared the wisdom and the character to actually handle that kind of resource? Again, it all starts with $100 a month. There's no excuse. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, why wouldn't everybody do this? And the reason is found in Scripture in Proverbs chapter 21. I want you to turn there with me. Proverbs 21, verse 20, it's kind of a sad verse. but Well, the first part's great, but it says, in the house of the wise, there are choice food and oil. But the second part says this, but the foolish man devours all that he has. See, that's the American culture that we live in. We are consumers, and we don't delay gratification the way we should. And I, I include myself in that in a lot of ways. But listen, if we could get our finances in order and then be able to systematically save and invest, what could God do in short amount of time for the kingdom of God? That's exciting. And I want to say this, and I, I believe it's somewhat prophetic, that you could be the first in your family to say, I can do it. I will pay it forward. I will be diligent. Or if you're married and you've got a family, we will be diligent from this point forward. And not just live for today, which is meaningless. Not to be selfish. Instead, you, your family, could learn to build wealth for the kingdom of God. I believe that, and I believe that there are some that on hearing that, there's a switch that will happen, and you will make the change, the changes that are necessary, and you, you will see fruit in your life. Now, you say, well, why would we pursue wealth, right? Uh, what's the point, right? Well, the first thing I want to, you know, align, you, we've got to align ourselves with God's principles, and there's a principle in God's word that is the law of seed time and harvest. How many have heard of that? Just give me a little wave or you know, a little amen, all right? Now, you've heard of this before. In fact, there are 66 times in scripture that talk about seed time and harvest. If you average that out, there's 66 books in the Bible. That'd be once every, for every book in the Bible. It doesn't fall that way, but it's kind of interesting to think about. At the very beginning of Scripture, God created man and woman in Genesis, and in Genesis 1.28, God said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, right? Right from the beginning. In Genesis 8, verse 22, um, after the flood, um, this is interesting. I, in fact, you should turn there. This is where the idea of seed time and harvest is first established. The verse before, God says, I will never flood the earth. I will never destroy all living things like I've just done ever again. And then he gives the rainbow, all that. But then he says in verse 22, as long as the earth endures. That includes today, in this season of our lives, seed time and harvest, 
cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. The idea that if you sow something, there will be a harvest. And that is not just in the physical realm of sowing seed. I believe it's spiritually. I believe that it's financially as well. And, uh, and even physically. Yesterday, I had the chance to, to hike the Manistee River Trail, 20-mile loop. And let me tell you, I sowed some seed on the trail yesterday. And I'm feeling it today. I feel like an old man. And, uh, but anyway, uh, God is good. Uh, one other verse, Luke 6, 38, one of my favorite verses, talks about seed time and harvest. says, with the measure that you give, it will also be given back to you. And this is a, a financial uh, area. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, with the measure that you give, again, it will be measured back to you. And I like what Craig Hill and Earl Pitts said. This principle is not only to meet our basic needs it is in order to bring increase into our lives, to build wealth, and to, and to do that in a God-honoring way. So back to that question, why would we do this? It aligns with God's uh, principles of nature. It's a natural process. God's plan is sowing and reaping, and it's not easy. Sowing is work. How many have ever uh, planted a garden, or maybe some of you were farmers, or maybe grew up on a farm? Listen, it, the, the farmers, it, it is a hard job. To sow, even to have a garden is, a, is not easy. It's sowing is work, and it's really according to the measure of your faith how much seed you sow. And I do like what Earl Pitt says. He says, never sow more than you can look after through prayer and spiritual warfare. And there's a sense that when you do give, when you do sow into, into someone's ministry, you don't want to just throw it here and there. You want to be very strategic and in prayer and in spiritual warfare, ask God to multiply, and I believe that he can do that. Anyways, uh, say all that. God established these principles related to money to help us to be, to be wealth builders. And again, you say, well, why, why would we build this? Um, I ran across, some of you know Kerry Waldy. He's a pastor up north in Traverse City. Um, he has a whole curriculum um, that he teaches his church on money and on finances. And in that, I ran across, he's got a, a, a statement, 11 reasons that God wants you to prosper. You say, does God really want me to do that? And I would say these are 11 reasons why you should pursue building wealth in your life. And I know some people are thinking, man, you know, are we really talking about this on a Sunday morning? And yes, we are. We're about to do this. But listen, there are 11 reasons uh, that Kerry Waldy identifies, and then we're going to close up this service with some response. The first one is this. The reason that, you would, that God would want to prosper you is, number one, to establish his covenant around the earth. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18 says this, But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Why? That He may establish His covenant, which He swore to your forefathers as it is today. Can you get your mind around this idea that God wants to covenant with you in regards to your finances? In the same way that he did with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, he wants to minister to your family to come alongside and be a blessing to you. Number two, 
Why would we build wealth? So that you can provide for your loved ones. And we just talked about that, but 1 Timothy uh, verse 8, I'm sorry, 5 and 8, chapter 5, verse 8, says this, if anyone does not provide for his own relatives, and especially his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. The idea is that this verse lets us know the priority that God places on the roles in provision and providing for our families. Some of the men here, you need to really own that verse and say, you know what? It's my job or our family's job to provide with the Lord's help. But that's why God would want to prosper you. Number three, so that you can fulfill the vision that God has given you. I love this. And in 1 Kings and in Nehemiah, we see uh, different ways. David wanted to build a temple to the Lord. Nehemiah went back to rebuild the wall, and those are neat stories. If you study those stories and kind of bring those those stories to modern day, did you know that to rebuild a temple today would cost about $87 billion? Billion! Take it, or give or take a few million probably. That'd be quite a building project. Wouldn't it be cool to have $87 billion for our children's ministry, Deb? Or for the worship ministry? I mean, we're, we're building a church. I mean, what could we do? But the key is, is that God wants to fund your vision. He will give you plans and vision, but he also will give you the provision God wants to prosper you. And that means every single one of you. I believe that. Number four, why would, you, would God want you to build wealth so that you can be a living letter testifying to the great God that you serve? You say, that's kind of unique uh, wording. It's from 2 Corinthians 3.3, 3, that our lives are a story. Our lives are an example. Our lives are a testimony or a letter. God calls us to live as letters sent out from heaven for all men to read. We are ambassadors of God, sent to represent another realm. Our financial testimony tells much about our God and how he wants us to live financially free and then to show the world how to do it. See, it's really sad when there are people at the car dealership, when they find out you know, that a Christian's walking in, and I've heard that this happens, that they're like, oh, great. Because a lot of times, Christians don't have stellar credit. Or, if you're walking into a restaurant on Sunday afternoon, you know there are, there are people, that there are servers that request Sundays off because tips on Sundays are not as great as the rest of the week, on, is on Friday or Saturday night. That should not be the case. We should be the most generous. Our lives should be a letter for people to see and to read. Number five, why would we want to build wealth? Number five, so that you can provide for the poor. It's no question, James chapter 1, verse 27, that we are called to look after the widows and the orphan. There will always be poor people with us, the Bible says. And so the poor and the hurting, they need believers. There are so many scriptures. God makes it crystal clear, his call to care for people like this. And he provides his people, us, so that we can be his hands and feet to make a difference. Do you believe that? Now, it doesn't make sense for the same people 
that are called to feed the hungry and clothe the poor for them to be in financial bondage themselves. And I know that's hard to say because I know that even probably, you know, statistically there are probably some that struggle here. But listen, it doesn't have to be that way. Why would God want to prosper you? Number six, so that you can leave an inheritance. And we talked about that. Proverbs 13, verse 22, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children's. Number seven, why? To reward you for productiveness in faithfulness. And I really like this. Matthew 25, 21, it's a principle in God's word. The master says, he replies, well done, good and faithful servants. You have been faithful to the few things. What happens? I will put you in charge of many things. There's increase. There's multiplication. I love that. Come and share in your master's happiness. And per, that's personal. That's, that's for you. Number eight, so that he may be magnified. That God would be magnified through your wealth building. As you prosper, God, he receives the glory. Can you get your mind around that? Isn't that beautiful? That God, he is honored by that? You say, well, show me in Psalm 35, 27. May those who delight in my vindication shout for joy and gladness. May they always say, the Lord be exalted, who delights in the, what? The well-being of his servants. God is magnified. When God blesses his servants, he is magnified. And that's what we want. A couple more in verse number, or number nine. Uh, so that he may take delight in blessing his children. You know what? We're all eligible for a blessing. Matthew 7, 11 says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God wants to bless us. We need to ask for that. And then the last two, I'll take just a you know, little time with, and then we're going to kind of wrap things up. And Pastor Bobby, you can come in just a minute. Number 10, so that we may learn to hear his voice and to obey it. That's why God would want to prosper you. It's really about relationship. It comes back to this whole idea. It's all about the heart. It's about fellowship with God. From the beginning of humanity, God has desired a relationship with his creation if taken the wrong way, we can replace God with material possessions. That's that spirit of mammon that can take control. However, God has linked his provision directly with a personal relationship with him. You say, show me that. Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his laws, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by water. The, the roots go deep, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. And then listen, whatever he does will prosper. And I believe that's financially as well. And then the last thing out of, out of this list is number 11. Why would God want to prosper you? Is so that he, God, may have an intimate fellowship with you. I was thinking about it. My, my family, in the last couple of years, after reading Bob Goff's book, which is Love Does, which is a great book, talks about 
uh, you know, taking trips with your kids and just kind of spontaneous or planning it either way, but just spending time with your family and uh, that love does that. And so we've tried to cultivate that as a, as a family. And just recently I was able to take Logan to a Tigers game for a day and uh, it was a huge blessing. And then I also was able to take Reagan uh, to Chicago for a concert. And, you know, I think about those times. I want, as their father, I want to bless them. I want to invest in them, but I also, when we're, when we're doing that, I'm not just sending them. I want to be with them. I want that intimate relationship. I want our relationship to grow. And when I bless my children with gifts in these types of ways, I do it not only because I love them, but also because I love the fellowship that we have as a father and a child. And if I do enjoy that, I, I believe our Heavenly Father does the same. In the same way, God gives us gifts, spiritually and materially, not so that we can ignore Him, but so we can enjoy fellowship and communion with Him as we use and enjoy our blessings. In John chapter 21 is a great story. I never thought of it in this way, but Kerry Waldy in his notes he kind of takes some time, and we won't take the time to do it today. But he takes some time in the story after Jesus has been risen from the grave, and he comes to meet his disciples, and they were out fishing. And he says, hey, you've been fishing all night. Did you catch anything? And they're like, no, it's a bust. We didn't get anything. He says, cast the nets on the other side, right? And then, of course, you know the story. The nets are full. Why would God, why would Jesus do that? Part of it, from Kerry Waldie's, is because he wanted to be with them. He wanted to share a meal with them. He wanted to provide for them. And I believe God, he still longs to be with his people. And we are his people. He longs to be in our presence. He wants to walk with us. He wants to talk with us. When you think, why would God want to prosper me? And why would God want to multiply my finances? It comes all down to relationship. It comes down to the heart. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8, and uh, Bobby, you can come, and Mary, I think. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8. This is a very interesting verse, and I want to leave us with some perspective, and then we're going to create some time for us to respond, and I want to pray for you. And uh, I've been praying about how to end the service, and we're, we might try something here in just a minute that we don't typically do, but in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17, it says this, and this is uh, in a section about, it says, don't forget about the Lord is the overriding idea here. But he says this, he says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. And that's a really a, a, a selfish way. It's very prideful that, hey, what I've done, you know, this is my business or I've worked hard or I've, you know, say I'm the one that's saved. And, uh, and, and the warning is, look, it's all God's, right? This is not yours. We are stewards of this. But the temptation is sometimes to think or even to say, you know, it was my power, my strength that produced this wealth for me. But verse 18, this is so important. But remember, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. It's God. It's God. 
And I believe that we can partner with our Heavenly Father and we can really make a difference for the kingdom of God. And I believe that God wants to see that happen in your life. He's not a respecter of person. I don't care what kind of background you've been uh, from. God wants to bless you and he can do it in your life. And there's some younger uh, folks here, you know, in their 20s. Listen, early on, if you can get a hold of these uh, things, God can make a difference. There's some in the 30s and 40s and 50s and, and beyond. Listen, at every stage of your life, if we turn it over to the Lord and say, it's all yours, God, he can multiply. It's the five loaves and two fish. I talked about it two weeks ago. He can take what we have and then once it's blessed and once we give it away, it'll come back and God will multiply it. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask that in these next few moments as we've created time to respond, I pray that you would be glorified, that you would be honored, that you would challenge us, and that we would spend some time asking the question, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? What are you saying to me? What are you saying to this church even? And Lord, I just pray that you would help us in Jesus' name. If I could have everyone's eyes on me just for a moment here. We've created time at the end of every service in this series to be able to respond and say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? That's how important it is. And we might continue that pattern, I don't know. But for this morning, as we wrap up this series, I want you to ask that question. And I want to remind you, if you are away from the Lord or you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that Jesus, our Heavenly Father, He gave it all for you. He gave His one and only Son and so He could have fellowship with you. And there's no strings attached. It's available. It's free. It's the gift of God. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, or you're running from God, or you're away from Him in any sense, today... God wants you to come back to him. And I don't know everyone here. And so uh, if you're here and that's you and you're saying, yes, I, I, need to, I need to get my life right with Jesus. I need salvation today. Would you raise your hand right where you are? We want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out, but I'd like to know. And then we're all going to respond here in a moment. Who here this morning say, yep, that's me. I need Jesus in my life. Anyone at all, from, from the front to the back, Side to side, anybody at all, just give you that opportunity. All right. All right. Okay, well, we'll move on. What's the Holy Spirit saying? For some of you, it may be that you need to go through Financial Peace University. And for some of you, you need to go through it again. <laughs> if I could require it, for you to attend the Gateway Church, I would. That's how important I think it is. Not that it's perfect, but it's great. For some of you, that idea of leaving a, a, a legacy, Proverbs 13, 22, leaving enough for two generations, that is challenging you and you need to respond and ask the Lord to help you. For some of you, you might go back to our message on generosity or extravagant giving. And maybe God has been stirring and you need to settle that with the Lord. Or maybe this morning, it's the idea of sowing and reaping. Understanding that it's not easy, 
but it's a life change that needs to happen in your life. And maybe some of you are just challenged by that idea of $100 a month over 40 years invested could really make a difference. And maybe it's time to start carving out. Maybe you need to turn off the cable TV and think about your legacy instead. But we want to meet God. So I'm going to ask that you would stand right where you are.